0: Welcome to the Logan Bartlett Show. On this episode, you're going to hear something a little bit different. Producer Rashad Asir and I uh, talk about the postmortem of the last 85 episodes and what we've learned about podcasting, as well as the mistakes, uh, the infinite mistakes we've we've made along the way, as well as some funny stories about the uh, the journey. Mostly, I fucked up the uh, the scheduling of a, of a next guest, but I think a lot of these insights are actionable to any creator that is thinking about building something, or if you're just a loyal listener and want our retrospective on how we've gotten to
1: where we are, I think this will be a good episode for you. So hope you enjoy it here now. All right. Rashad. Logan, this is a non-standard episode. Do you want to give some context as to what we're doing here? So we get asked a bunch about
0: how do you make a podcast? How did all of this come to be? And uh, I think you especially, but me at times as well, have had to have a lot of 30-minute-long chats with people about uh our lessons learned and like what we would do and all that stuff and so uh i think we've learned some interesting stuff along the way and so we've been talking about doing this for a little while just like a post-mortem on some of the things that we figured out in making the show and producing content and uh building what we've we've built and so some interesting lessons of like the journey i guess now that we're eight, yeah 85 episodes yeah in. And then twenty five percent is uh, I fucked up scheduling a little bit and didn't have a guest, so, <laughs>
1: that, <laughs> so that's reason out. for
0: timing. Uh, All right, here is we're uh, we're committed to every Friday morning delivering something to you. So here we are. It's uh, it's the two of us talking about this. So yeah, it was this or no episode. It was so. this or no episode basically. <laughs> so be appreciative uh, if you, if you don't enjoy this, which I, hopefully people will, then uh, you can pick the other
1: path that we didn't take, which is not listening to this episode. Totally, so, totally. yeah. Okay. Uh, so, in terms of structure, I guess the just to lay out kind of how we'll go through things, I figured it makes sense to kind of start at what the show was originally, how it's transformed. There's been like two or three like major transformations in the show. And I feel like each one of those, we've had some big strategic learning that maybe people can yeah and i think probably a small percentage of people at this point were here with us in the early days right it's like uh
0: just based on the end of how we've grown uh the people that were here in the start were not uh probably don't know the path
1: yeah so maybe the whole like how this came to be is is interesting um we originally started as more of a news show you had two co-hosts that were one founder operator person and one other vc it then evolved into just being you. We hosted a series of Web3 debates, and that took up probably 10 to 15 episodes over the summer of 2022. And then ultimately, like, how would you describe the show that we've landed at now?
0: Yeah, I I mean, I think the product now is pretty consistent. We do uh, interviews, conversations with uh, important Important or interesting people in the broader tech ecosystem. It's probably, I don't know, someone can actually look at this, but 80% operators and tactical lessons that they've learned along the way, and 20% investors or other uh, that and their insights about this stuff. I think our our goal now in every episode is to have someone that's uniquely interesting giving a unique perspective on actionable insights that they've gleaned along the way. And I think that product, at least based on the the subscribers and stuff, it seems like people like that product enough, uh, or yeah. at least the people that don't like it don't tell me that much. Uh, so, right. so it seems like it's working. <laughs> well,
1: uh, we'll talk about the people that don't like it and very much do tell you in the comments yes. or, or whatever yeah, yeah. Uh, and how mean people can be, but um, also how nice and great people can be with giving feedback. And I think, yeah, one thing I was thinking about as I was going through our guest list is... Uh, I feel like we are very selective in choosing guests that have really like walked the walk. Yeah. Uh even if they haven't been on a ton of podcasts or don't have the biggest platforms. Like that's not really something we pay attention to or I don't know, maybe that's something you can do. No, it uh in the early days, I thought like, oh,
0: the number of Twitter followers someone had is a mark of importance. And uh, it's just not. It's just making good content. It's almost better if they haven't done stuff before yeah. and that they have interesting lessons that they haven't shared elsewhere uh, is actually a better thing than how big of an audience someone someone has. And so I guess maybe just the the genesis of the, the show itself uh, was it was... 2021, uh, in the fall winter and the market was crazy for VCs. And I was like, Hey, we need to do something. I need to do something to stand out more than I have. And I have been fucking around on Twitter for a while, but, uh, that it it was, it was interesting, but it was very one dimensional in my personality and it grew. And I, I think I sort of figured out like, how to grow it, and it was posting, and it was jokes, and a bunch of things like that. And I I wanted to do something different that allowed me to showcase a little bit more of my personality than like 140 or 280 characters, or now infinite number of characters, would allow. Um, And so I thought, I looked at the all-in pod's success, and I was like, oh, well, if younger people in the industry could do that, that seems like clearly there's a market for it. Uh, and so, that was the only real thought behind it. And so, that was, I guess, December of 21, uh, uh, I recruited Zach and Nikita uh, to come on and do it. We were friends, friendly with with them. And so, we did a few test episodes uh, over the course of uh, December into January, and then uh, you came on board uh, and uh, around the time, and then right. we sort of launched the show as a basically a ripoff of all in pod
1: with younger people involved. Totally. Yeah. I remember we took a bunch of inspiration from how they were running their show. It was a very news focused pod. Like we would find the most interesting five to 10 headlines about the week. Some of them would be like serious things like whatever Sequoia announced a fund. But then some of them was like more like Twitter news. Like I remember uh, there were a lot of like just like in the Twitter zeitgeist news stories that you guys would talk about um how was that experience well it's
0: it's it's interesting right i think one of the lessons i've learned is uh people either want to be entertained or they want to be educated and uh I don't think we had that thesis early on. We were just sort of like, oh, this is working. We saw something else that was working. It was like, all right, let's put a spin on it. And I think founders probably can often take inspiration from something else and iterate around something. Uh, And so it wasn't more thoughtful than that. It wasn't like, oh, I asked myself what deeply... Uh, appeals to me as a person and that I'm really going to want to commit to for an extended period of time. It was just kind of like, oh, that works for those guys. Uh, yeah. We can do our own. It wasn't
1: a lot of market testing. N- or, no, there uh, was
0: there was zero. It how was many like,
1: people did you talk to? I imagine you you must have talked to some people about like, hey, I'm um, thinking of starting a podcast. What should I do? Yeah, people. But at the end of the day, the thesis of, hey,
0: all in podcast, but younger people is like no one's gonna say that's a bad idea like that that could still work today i don't know someone someone probably will do that well and so like if some if you get the right formula of people in place uh then that could totally work what i found is that i fucking hated it i like really really hated it i'm not that interesting in my opinions on stuff generally or like this stuff I know I can go really deep on, but the stuff I don't know, I don't like doing drive-by commentary and hot takes around. And it's just like, if you're going to give opinions about stuff, I wanted to be really informed and well-versed in it. And you can't do that if you're going to be like effectively a talking head. And right. so I fucking, I hate well, it.
1: Also, you have a full-time job, yeah, as true. did the other two guys yeah. that were, uh you know, even equally or less prepared than you were to, to sort of have these totally, to come
0: Totally, totally. And so just like shooting from the hip on uh, news commentary, you expose yourself to a lot of, uh, you're either not going to be interesting uh, because you're too muted on stuff or uh, you're not going to be insightful uh, or like have a real perspective on stuff or people are going to call you a dumbass, right? And yeah. like none of those things I particularly liked. Uh, right. And so so we did
1: that for... How long? Ten to twelve episodes. It was like around twelve episodes. Twelve when we episodes. Went to Miami, and that's so that's when you interviewed Keith, and that was like yeah. And and we had
0: uh, we, Nikita was starting gas at the time, and so uh, he had different time commitments he could make to it, and then Zach's firm wanted more oversight of like the review and process and all that stuff, and and um and so ultimately uh, that those things came at odds with our ability to put something out consistently, uh, because you needed people to talk about things that were topical. Right. And like those people constrained with time and people that wanted like to review stuff just doesn't lead to publishing quickly. The
1: review thing is interesting. It doesn't sound like a huge deal of like, oh, just send it to them. They'll, you know, redline it a little bit. But when you're trying to turn around an episode in one to two days, like, the, the operational friction that that adds, the Justin's here sitting off camera, our editor, you know, having to go late nights to just like get an episode released on Friday consistently. Cause that was our thing. We were like, we're gonna release an episode yeah. on Friday. Was a huge fan in the app. And especially if like
0: you have three people talking and we all agree and come up with something interesting. And then someone else is like, yeah, I don't know. I I yeah. don't think so. That's like, a it's hard enough to make a good product. And then it's really hard to make a good product and then you know whatever be be handicapped in some way and what you can say uh our thesis was i think one that could work but uh for different reasons none of us particularly could could do it right yeah. and it just kind of it it sucked i i i really it gave
1: me so much anxiety i did not enjoy that did process. you consider bailing like i know there's statistics out there about how few podcasts make it beyond 10 episodes like were you like about to throw in the towel. Yeah,
0: what, what, uh, those, those stats
1: are like, uh, it's, it's so- something crazy. Here, yeah, here we have. Yeah, this pull it up. What, what is it? It's, uh, okay. So 90% of podcasts don't get past episode three. That's 1.8 million people who quit. Of the ones left, 90% will quit after 20, 20, 20 more episodes. Uh, and then to be in the top 1% of podcasts in the world, you only need to publish 21 episodes. So, My thought process on it
0: was I set different mental milestones and I was like, all right, uh, I'm going to do four episodes. That was like all I committed to do. And then we collectively agreed to do 12. And then at 12 was really the fork in the road thing. And... We had built some muscle memory and infrastructure internally at Redpoint of how to do this. Uh, I, You had come on board. We had started working with Justin. It was like we were a little committed in some ways to figuring out how to do this. And so I felt some obligation to like keep pushing on because we started it. And I also just don't like those stats, right? I just sort of knew that persisting in some form would lead to something thing if nothing else i would learn from it and so it was it was a grind it's still i mean it still is a grind right and the the market backdrop of this is this is peak this is pre like market turn this is while the market kind of ish was turning right so like we or i wanted to do something in a point in time in which i wouldn't have had time to do it and then the market's like slowing down when i actually had time to do it so it worked out Pretty well yeah. uh, then, but yeah. So so we persisted into it. I looked at the uh, Jimmy Kimmels and the the David Lettermans and the Jay Leno's and John Stewart's and whatever. All those people and the model they have works pretty well. It's like you do news and topical stuff, and then you do interviews and conversations. And people come for the guest, but they stay for the the current events and the the news. And that format really works uh if you have either if you're willing to shoot from the hip you're smart enough to do that or you're willing just to expose yourself to hot takes and stuff or uh you have
1: time to do this as you have an entire writer's room yeah jokes or you're charismatic like jimmy kimmel or totally like totally anything
0: and 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 even then if you go back and listen to like kimmel talk about his early days he like says he wasn't good at it right and that's someone that's like insanely talented. Uh, and and so that format clearly works. There's a reason people do it. And so I was like, all right, well, we'll just keep doing this. But it was like I had three jobs. It was, hey, I had to stay up with current events. I had to interview a guest and have uh, and also book guests. And then I have my actual job as well. And all of those were like different things. Uh, and especially the ephemerality of news cycles and stuff. You couldn't,
1: backload a bunch of episodes or something it was like
0: you, you couldn't can them and release I them mean, sometimes
1: like- we'd record thursday and by saturday our release day would already be dead yeah exactly it it was like the news cycles were so tight and it it was uh it was just
0: a hard product to uh to to keep going but we uh we kind of evolved for a while and i couldn't find a co-host to come on and do anything with me it's really hard just to talk behind a mic by yourself and give opinions and stuff it's much easier to banter with someone and so then weinberg and i uh zach from uh flat iron now curry bio um was kind of a lightning rod. He's uniquely talented in a bunch of vectors of he's just very smart. He doesn't give a fuck. He has a ton of credibility. And he was the one that I kept trying to recruit in thinking, all right, I can be diplomatic and not as interesting and he can be a lightning rod and very interesting. And it worked really well with him, uh, which led to the all the crypto stuff as well, where he would just kind of rail on uh, crypto and debate people and all of that. And yeah. that was like a it was that was lightning in a bottle of people just loved that. And there's a reason uh, debates, presidential debates or like whatever people yeah. yelling at each other and arguing points like they will on all in podcasts. There's a reason it works well is it's just like high uh entertainment and high education as well because you get to feel out two points. And so that was like a real lightning in a bottle kind of moment.
1: Yeah, I was going back and listening to some of the Crypto Debates episodes. We had probably 10 or 12 people come battle Zach. And these were like very credible people in the crypto world. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, those episodes were great. We were still doing news as well and we were having guests on. So what was the major... Learning from that chapter where we were doing crypto debates, we had evolved from three co hosts to just you, and you were still doing a combination of news, bringing on people you like, and crypto debates. I would
0: say that they're like the founding principle of what you enjoy doing and having someone, having people committed with you to go do that. I think that's probably true of those entire periods of time. And uh, the crypto debate thing or that debate format, again, it could have worked if Zach could have committed the time to doing it. And I, I don't know if I would have been happy doing it, but I probably could. You have. were
1: pretty adamant about like, I remember there were three or four episodes where you were like, this is our last one. Like, this is going to be the last crypto debate because I don't want us to just be a crypto debate podcast. Yeah. Where people well, are screaming at each and,
0: people. and at some point, like clearly the market runs out of that content and then you become known for something that uh, isn't what your brand was. And so I think the biggest lesson that I learned as we started to do the interviews and stuff, and this is true for any podcast, is you really need to niche down into what it is that you're going to have your product as. And so whenever I talk to someone, you maybe you're Mark Cuban Or you're the smartless guys, or you're the Strike Force Five, like some of these podcasts that have come out where they're actual celebrities themselves. And uh they're 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 able to be interesting in their own right and talk and whatever. And those people are just supremely gifted. And otherwise, one, you're gonna have to really work at what it is that you do and you're gonna start out really shitty. It's just like whatever product you pick, you're gonna be really bad at early on. And two, you really should be in the top 1% of where you're going to start and then build concentric rings around that. And so the TAM initially for content should be really small. And that's like really counterintuitive to people. And I made that mistake. I was like, who are the most interesting people that I can get on to interview? And I'll just get them to tell their story. And that will be interesting. And actually, like no one but their companies or their coworkers or their family really care about their story.
1: Even for someone as big as I mean, we had mark cuban on we had kara swisher on and they were great guests but did they perform like disproportionately higher than no you know your average like no it, that we bring and on?
0: that's the other thing is people have uh, if if people are like big kara swisher fans they can go hear her whatever five times a day or whatever it is right and mark cuban you can hear from a lot and so you a big lesson of that was not just like go for a breath of or, or like famousness or whatever yeah. or notoriety. It's like niche down into the content that you want to deliver to people that is actually uh, uniquely interesting that you're uniquely able to provide. And uh, I think the mistake. I made was just like oh I'm going to chase the people that are the biggest that I can find Who's the biggest name that I can who's the biggest name I can get on. and I'll just get them to tell their story and people don't really care like that's the fact of the matter is like if they're really big they can fi- hear them other places and get their story other places yeah. and so that was a really interesting learning and mistake and then also my interests don't align with everyone else's interests. and so if you if left to my own devices i would just go pursue some smattering of like b2b software and ncaa yeah yeah yeah, exactly college football coaches yeah i would go just like like, hip-hop yeah exactly uh, some hip-hop rappers um and like instead you need to think about who your core audience is and who gives a shit and then build out from what they would want to hear To be educated or entertained around that and that was something that i i didn't even know who our core audience was who we were trying to appeal to what we were trying to teach them or educate them on i was just kind of like oh founders or other people that like tech stuff right and that's that's not interesting you can get that from a bunch of different places from people that are far more entertaining than i am totally
1: and we also constrained ourselves. You said
0: totally a little too quick after entertaining the May. That was supposed yeah. to be like a
1: deprecating joke. And you're like, yeah, 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 a yeah, fucking loser. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of you being entertained. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we constrained ourselves to a, a caliber of guests, too, that was like really high. To your point about the niche thing, like if you find a niche, you know, Lenny was a great example of this with the product stuff. like. You don't have to find like mega famous people to talk about that. You just have to talk talk to people that really know that field. I have we, so much respect
0: for for Lenny and and Lex Friedman and Harry Stebbings and these people that started with like you you need to start really small. And Lenny was like, the people he get aren't notable in their own right for the most part. There's some that that are, but there are people that are real practitioners in their domain and a lot of people care about product and he gets them to give very actionable insights, right? Yeah as you expand from there you can start putting more loops around it and go i mean harry's name of the show is still 20 VC, right but he interviews scooter Braun or whoever it is like just different people all the time and so you can build or, or lex Friedman used to be the ai podcast and then he has like kanye west coming on now totally. and so like you can evolve but you have to have a core foundational base Of people and you have to be the the answer to the question of why they should give a shit about you versus infinite content out there. There's infinite things they can go watch and you're not competing with uh, like just the other people in the the market that you're thinking about. It's like, oh, well, I just need to be better than the other tech podcasts. Or it's all like, in know. yeah, no, the, you actually need to be better than anyone, anything else anyone can do with their time, totally. right? And Binging so, like
1: shows on Netflix, uh, scrolling, going on to TikTok. a bar with their friends, yeah, like yeah, yeah. like
0: going to a movie, watching sports. Like you're competing with all of these things, and so your competition. And that's why I don't mind saying this stuff. Is like we're not. I, I want to help uh, people start their podcast and get going because ultimately there's no market share capture really from from me. I, I, I am friends and a lot of people have been magnanimous in the in their support of me along the way. The Acquired guys have been super helpful. Eric Torenberg uh, has been super helpful. Uh, Jason Calacanis has been very magnanimous with me. Um, Harry Stebbings has been very kind. Like all these people, I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch of people that have been helpful along the way, but they've been very nice because we're not at, competition really with one another we're competing with tiktok and we're competing with like you know whatever going to a bar with your friends not each other
1: within this chapter of we were starting to do interviews i was going through episodes like 25 to 35 and we did have a few episodes that resemble what we do now a few of them being parker conrad we had come uh tell his story and give a bunch of operating lessons that is still today one of yeah. one of the best I think that feels, that we
0: have. I feel like that feels the same product total today. And, and which then, was kind of accidental uh in that it worked out that way. But yeah. it ended up being and the other thing that was interesting with him is I did all this prep. Like I, I do a ton of prep before these yeah. things. And I did both of those uh or I did that in person. And um and I, I I felt like there was something that people would tell better stories in person. I just felt that. And I I didn't have any evidence to support it. Uh, but it just it just really felt like the difference might not be apparent to the listener of like the quality of audio. If you're just listening right. on Apple Podcasts, you might have no
1: idea. The if numbers you're... weren't also substantially like validating that in person was. I
0: would better. actually say all of this stuff in the early days was mostly like intuition for yeah, the most yeah, part. Yeah. Like had we just listened to the numbers, we would have been a crypto pod crypto debate podcast and we would be reeling now trying to like pivot and find our own way. So the numbers didn't support uh, spending the effort to be there in person with people scheduling There were, there were all these constraints of, I I had like four different vectors of constraints that, that presented themselves. One was the caliber of the guest. And so that holding that bar high, one was quality of the conversation. So the ability to, uh, to, to have deep dive conversations with folks and being like, I was well researched in it. Uh, one was doing in person versus virtual, and then one was releasing every Friday, and those four things even still today are at odds with one another. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's like all of those. At some point, it's gonna break. I'm gonna. I just can't do all of those things. Um, and the consistency one is one that I debate. Like especially now, I've a wedding coming up, and I'm gonna be on a honeymoon, and will I be able to keep up the consistency thing? For the most part, though, everyone that is successful is fairly consistent. The acquired guys are the ones that uh, is the the exception, and they do so much research and go so deep on it. And so I those things were all at odds with one another. But in the Parker Conrad example, what I found was I knew every interview he had ever done. And somehow in person, uh, which was just an intuition, he told the story of David Sachs and him and Zenefits, which he had never told before. And I assume it was under like some... Whatever non-disclosure agreement sure. or something, and I don't know why he decided to tell it there. He was uh, he was comfortable with me, and we got going in the conversation. I bet he
1: wouldn't. Have, there's no chance he would have told that story virtually.
0: Zero percent. If he had yeah, been staring yeah. into the camera, knowing it was like recording, uh, yeah, yeah. there's no chance. And a similar thing happened with Palmer Lucky when he told the story of getting fired from. Facebook. Right. He had never told the story so in depth and all the specifics around it. And I went and read a book uh, about all the stuff before. So I was very well researched when I went into that conversation and he just went for it. And I know he was under NDA with a lot of stuff. (laughs) And he was like, ah, well, I, you know, come after me if you choose. I think was his mindset. I don't know. He dealt
1: with enough of, you know, of that. What totally. He felt probably like comfortable dealing with it. And so
0: that was an intuition and a learning, and something we've mostly stayed consistent to. There's been some times in which we haven't been able to make it work for whatever travel related reasons, but I think that's held true. And even still today, we've had episodes, maybe in the last uh, uh, couple of months, in which people said things they definitely shouldn't have. And their PR teams came back to us, like pleading, because realizing we were maybe going to make national news. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> we had already clipped it and made it the intro. And, uh, yeah. We had all these animations. Yeah, in the it. fullness oh, of God. time.
0: Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> there's been, we've had two of those in the last like two or three months of the things that that like the PR teams were very much like. And that's actually yeah. an interesting other thing is there's this weird dichotomy of these people, especially those that don't do a lot of interviews. Uh, they, they want some type of uh ability to strike stuff and i actually like giving them that comfort because then they know they're not like they let loose a little bit in the conversation knowing they can take it back after the fact most people don't take take us up on that uh and then when they do it's really fucking frustrating because you're sitting there and it's like oh my gosh this is so good and then maybe we'll release uh you know I, i when i when i'm uh we, um, my will, uh, I'll just, I'll just <laughs> let them rip. see. Yeah, yeah. Just like all the things that are like would have been national news stories or something. Which weirdly, we've had a couple of those uh, uh, things come out, but it's very rare stuff gets uh, taken out. But when they do, it's usually yeah. the really salacious stuff. So those are like tensions
1: around it. But the the in person thing has been really beneficial too, and I think we realized that during that stretch. hundred percent. And the to your point about consistency, because I've gone back and forth of like, does it really matter? I think it matters for a few reasons. One, it's just like holding yourself accountable to actually doing something. Because if you give yourself license, like, ah, we'll just release on Sunday, it's a very slippery slope to Sunday becomes Monday to becomes, ah, we'll just skip this week and we'll go next week. Well, maybe we should just do it every other week. And then uh, all of a sudden, like, you're not producing nearly as much as you would. And so that's the first point. The second point ties to a broader thing of just like building trust with your audience, which is what this is all about. No one episode is going to make you a huge podcast. You might get a banger and it'll get you some new listeners and they'll come along for the ride. But like, ultimately, you need to be doing something consistently over time very well and giving your listeners the sort of, uh, the, the the certainty that like, you know, I have a, a workout class every Tuesday. I go home, I make dinner, I put on YouTube and my show is going to be there. And if it's not there, I'm a little disappointed, and so like, and getting, you go find something else that's going to fill that else. spot, exactly. and, and you risk. It's interesting the slope of the line and the graph that
0: we have on the listenership, and I'm going to describe this for people that aren't watching uh, video here. But basically, when when you start, everyone uh, you get a ton of like drive by people that are willing to listen because it's like, oh, maybe this is a product for me, yeah, and it turns out like for the vast majority of them, it's not a product for them. And this is this is if you launch with a something of a audience, like I had a big Twitter audience. And so the vast majority of people didn't like the product. They were like, oh, this guy's not as funny as I thought he was or yeah, They yeah. were like, he's a little, this is not what I expected. Like, you know, make some more jokes. Uh, and, and so you get a bunch of churn initially and that continues to happen. Uh, people will give you a second shot, a third shot, a fourth shot or whatever it is. But then you bottom out at some point and then you start to compound on the way back up. And so the consistency of building that audience of people that listen to you is just really important. And what what they're coming for uh, is delivering it every time and setting the expectations that you're consistently going to deliver that. One of the interesting dichotomies as well is like you suck when you initially start you just do like no one's naturally good at any of this stuff and so when your your bias is like oh let me get the biggest guest i possibly can as my initial episode and weirdly uh that's kind of a terrible uh, idea because you're going to be at your worst at that point in time. And your audience is going to maybe come in, but then bottom out because they're not going to like you or they're not going to like the product or whatever it is. And so there's this weird tension of like, how big of a guest do you launch with keeping them going and incremental, but also you being bad. And that's a very weird thing is like you're at your worst and you're trying to get more people to come on. And so I, I, I think the best... Uh, podcasts, for the most part, start out random, and then they compound. The people like aren't notable people in the industry for whatever reason, and then they compound over time as they get better. And so by the time most people discover it, they've refined how they do things, right? And so we go look at the people that I admire or like, talk to or whatever— I mean, the acquire guys started out with a very small listenership and just kept compounding over time. Patrick O'Shaughnessy, same thing. Harry Stebbing, same thing. Lenny, yep. like, started a newsletter and then to a podcast, same thing. Alex Friedman, same thing. All these folks started in relative anonymity, and this built a good product and got more people to come in. And I think that's a interesting sort of thing that you you just need to work through. You're not going to be very good initially, right? I don't know if we still are, uh, but we're better than we were. So, For sure. uh, so. We kept at that, I it weirdly kind of times to the rebrand as well, for the most part. I think by early December, um, we were mostly doing the same product, doing standalone single interview releases, I think, for the most part by November, December of last year, uh, without a ton of news uh, I, I don't exactly remember the timeline yeah. but then we rebranded in January and we've been more or less the same product since then for the most part with, a, with the occasional exception of like whatever SBF go, or SBF but SVF 2 but SVB goes under uh, or yeah. whatever Elon like, bought Twitter Elon bought Twitter some like topical episodes and stuff uh, which I think we'll continue to do or we don't we don't have a guest booked and we just sort of talk about ourselves for a yeah. while yeah. yeah well this is the first of its kind of Yeah.
1: maybe the the last, but uh... <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see how it does. Hey guys, Rashad here. I'm the producer of the Logan Bartlett show and wanted to take a quick second to make an ask. We are close to 10,000 subscribers and are trying to get there by the end of the year. If you're enjoying this conversation and these episodes, please consider subscribing to the YouTube channel. Now back to the show. So how would you describe it? Cause we've gone back and forth on trying to create a tagline for the show. And it's some combination of like untold stories of you know, Silicon Valley to we emphasize a lot of like tactical, um, you can learn something from this to go apply it to if you are a founder, an operator or even an investor, like there are stories that you can take away from this or things that uh, from a hiring perspective, the best question to ask uh, when you're interviewing executives or, you know, how to launch your second product. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even I know like...
0: what the right description is. And this is why we don't have a good tagline, obviously, but it's, it's some combination of stories, which are certainly interesting and powerful at times. And then the actionable insights uh, as well. And I think the stories are the entertainment and the insights are the education, right? It's yep. sort of like when you think about that, that dichotomy Totally. and, and so pulling those things out, everyone has a story to tell, but there's only so many elements of someone's life that is particularly interesting. And so going all storytelling and narrative uh, narrows your 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 TAM a little bit. Yeah. And then going all actionable insights, I think, can work. And if I had to bias, I would probably bias towards more actionable insights. But I, I personally enjoy the human side of pulling things out of people as well. And so I don't want to give up on the storytelling thing uh, and elements of that. And so I, I think the, the product that I hope people walk away with, both the guest and the listener, is something of a definitive account of, at that moment in time, that person's journey, as well as their learnings. And I, I don't know what pithy little tagline that ties into, but I think that's the consistent product we've kind of come on. And now we've reached this, there's this funny referential element of like, when you you keep wanting to up leveling your guests, but the guests also want validation from other people coming on. Yep. And so there's this funny little flywheel that you just keep building on of like, well, X person went on, and X person's important. So like, okay, now and each person, no one wants to feel like it's the most important podcast they've ever been on. That was actually a funny. I reached out to Naval one time. We were in, um, or I bumped into him in Miami, and uh, I asked him, and he's like, you know, I went on. Uh, Rogan, I think it was. And yeah, he's yeah. like, and I never wanted to go on a podcast less important than the one I've been on before. And so I'm never so doing I'm another podcast. <laughs> that's what he said. He's like, I'll do Tim Ferris because he helped break me in the early days and like make me important. But he's like, I'm not not doing podcasts anymore. And yeah. I was like, interesting. Uh so if you if you break that in a ball, you motherfucker. Uh yeah. you lied to me. But it's an interesting thing of like that's a that's a funny social proof of uh, just the compounding that people want the validation. We think about that, right? I like. I will. I still do all the outreach today uh, to guests. Yeah. Um, I still do all the prep today. We've tried to outsource that, and I just. I don't know. I'm too OCD. At some point, scalably, I might need to more support than I actually do from a research standpoint. Um, but there is a funny thing of how I craft cold emails to. Uh, whatever, public company CEOs, um, and say why they should come on. And I would say half our, maybe half our guests at this point are cold outreach and half our guests are some ref. Furl in yeah. and the cold outreach. It's like, okay, well, I know this person probably views that person as a peer or someone that I know will entice them a little bit. And that's like an interesting thing of keeping all this stuff going. Is this
1: the same outbounding strategy that you use to get founders to talk 100%. to you? 100%. Yeah, yeah. It's the exact same thing. It, it's just I, like, what's seen some of your notes and I'm like, this is, yeah, yeah. this is. It's, totally. exa-
0: it's like, what can I interestingly and uniquely say to get this person to spend time uh, yeah. doing this? And there's a staging as well of like, like uh, waiting for, okay, I'll wait for that episode to release because then the other person will be more inclined to go do it, right? And I also think we've, by not screwing over PR teams at times, by doing a ton of research in advance, uh, we we try to walk away uh, with the other person feeling like they really enjoyed it. And now I think people recommend it to other people and yeah. I get I get former guests referring in their friends and being like oh yeah you should do I think that. we've
1: been like since we've we, we kind of started doing that naturally and now we've kind of built that into our brand of like we want to be one one of the most well-researched interviews that you're going to hear so you can go listen to 15 interviews of Mark Cuban, but like the one that the Logan Bartlett show does is going to be more in depth, more nuanced, like clearly we have done the prep coming in. And then also the guest is going to like us coming out of the interview. Yeah, like that's, that's an important. Certainly I think, a
0: goal. Like you value. don't want to be confrontational. I could probably count if we've I, I don't know how many interviews you've done, 65 or something. I could probably 70. I don't know what the number is, but there aren't many people that walked away, I think, uh, feeling. Uh, like the they didn't get what they asked they signed up for in it uh so I, i i think for the most part i don't like giving questions in advance to people um but if they really want it Uh, you know it's like whatever at the end of the day i want them to be proud of the product as well which we found is actually an important thing the sharing and all that uh, i think is an interesting harry stebbings originally did a really good job of that of like making sure the guests shared it and then asking other people for questions in advance and then asking those people to share it on the behalf and there's like that was definitely something i thought we were above was like asking guests to share the episode so important but it's it's that's been an unlock in the last whatever uh, six months, nine months of just like leaning into that as well, which is just a little lesson. And it feels like you're above, uh, like, Oh, I don't want to plead with my guests to share it or whatever. And so, no, no,
1: plead. Yeah. 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 Sometimes you plead Uh, because it makes a huge difference and it's like, they're sharing it with their audience. So we'll have, you know, Jody Bonzall on, and he has 50,000 LinkedIn followers that have been following him for years because of what a great, you know, executive he is. And then he'll be like, here's an hour and a half of me sharing my operating secrets. Yeah. Of and course then you retain X of people. Of course they're going to listen That's to
0: that. the thing is there's a very natural bounce rate of people, but you retain and compound, right, over time. And the, yeah. the, the N you start with is important, then the consistency of delivering what their expectations are, are important. And then you retain some percentage of them and then that compounds over time, right?
1: I want to hit some of these others, sort of like again, not we are far from a perfect product. We have room to evolve. How embarrassed
0: um, are we going to be in like a year when we look back on our this thing and we're like, yeah, oh like, god, this is so. We were... we
1: thought we had any <laughs> insights to share with people. Um, it's it's more framed as mistakes of things that we've completely fucked up so far. But yeah. what are what are some other moments that we've looked at each other and like, fuck, man, it's episode fifty eight. Why have we not been doing this the whole time? I think,, um, some other ones I can think of is is like really leaning into video. We We made it a point to, I think episode one is on YouTube still like we were releasing a video and honestly, we may not, we sh- we pr- probably shouldn't have released that video on video now. Episode
0: one definitely isn't on YouTube, but like yeah. episode four or four something or whatever, is. Yeah. but
1: like we should take that down. We didn't know how to do video at all. We didn't know how to like, we did we were just treating it as a listening product on YouTube. So I kind of treat like, I think we treat listening and maybe Spotify is just in the middle because they, they actually accept video, but then YouTube is its own beast and then listening as its own beast. But um with spot with with the listening platforms there's only so much you can do to get people to listen to it's a dumb
0: show. rss pipe that if you listen to apple podcasts like there's no algorithm the analytics you get back are terrible there's no like
1: algorithm yeah, that's you recommending have, like, a, you anything can favorite a show or you can follow a show i don't even really you know can. What that but um, that's is it but but it's
0: not like you it, it's very
1: simple and it's all feed based uh like yeah. like like just an rss feed it's a the benefit of that is that like i think you'll have more recurring listeners or or like once people are you know, that sort of Tuesday night, I'm going to listen to it while I go for a run type listener. They're going to keep coming back to it. When and that's definitely the biggest on.
0: historical market for podcasts. Podcasts, quote, quote yes. unquote, is that like Apple podcast. Right. I'm
1: cooking, put it on and, you know, make my dinner while I learn how to get better for, at my job.
0: Yeah. With the thing, shows that call themselves podcasts, the majority of those are consumed on Apple Podcasts, for sure. Now, then there's Spotify, which is a little bit in the middle of like, it's more algorithmic. There's recommendations. We get better analytics back from them.
1: You can do video on it. Ratings. All that stuff. Chapters. Chapters. You have some level of interactivity, but for the most part, it's still kind of a dark hole of like, you publish it. Like, anyone can go release a podcast, publish it. It'll show up the same as... Uh, a very well-established podcast.
0: Yes, um, and they're getting better at it. They're 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 pushing on a lot of the
1: algorithmic yeah. iterations and stuff. maybe one day they'll figure out discovery. But until then, like it's really not worth devoting our attention on those things because all we can do is produce the best podcast listening show that we can and then release it and hope that people go listen to it. Yeah. Now YouTube is where we probably sp- it's not the major you know I don't know what percentage of our listenership it actually makes up, but it's certainly where we spend the majority of our time. It's by far the fastest growing. And it's the fastest growing. And you have the opportunity for like these mega bangers. I don't know what Eliezer did. Probably close to two hundred thousand views. Like you're just not gonna get that on some of these other platforms. It goes viral. It like it quite literally
0: goes like viral within the YouTube algorithm, which is which is not so like you can't go viral on the Spotify algorithm or you, or you can't go viral on the Apple podcast algorithm, right? YouTube is yes. its own beast.
1: So and as much of more of a pain in the ass it is to it's it's like it's like 500% more work to to do a podcast that has video, but um the you're, reward you're, is like I mean
0: the potential and the number of knobs you can twist on It's more fun. I find it way more fun than like <laughs> But it's infinite. It, it it's actually like, do you hear Mr. Beast talk about this stuff? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 insane the level of algorithmic sophistication and like content iteration you can do. I mean, our thumbnails, how enticing you make the thumbnails to click on. The intro, how long it takes you to set up a guest, uh, how you whatever, introduce the person, what kind of context you give in advance versus getting right into the conversation itself. Like, there's just so many dials that you can twist on YouTube, not to mention YouTube Shorts, which is its own kind of algorithmic, yep. whatever, TikTok clone. There's just descriptions, chapters.
1: Uh, what Intros, like how you entice someone to click through and then how you get them engaged in the first minute and then how you retain them like we literally have a different video editing treatment for the first 15 minutes because we know that that's the most important time for
0: people. and then it compounds right and so if you get better click-through rates because of the thumbnail and you get better uh like listener like less drop-off then it shows more people and so it's it's just All the effort that you can put into that uh, is rewarded in an algorithmic way. And it's just like you have to iterate on it and just keep getting better. Each episode, we're like a little better at YouTube and we're still not great at it. You, I I don't know. Would you recommend to someone today to to start YouTube first? Uh, And if you're thinking you want to do a podcast, is this... Like worth the squeeze of everything or like first validate that you at least want to do twelve episodes or twenty episodes
1: or fifty episodes and then go there over time if you don't have the time if you're if all of your attention is going on the show itself I'd say it's better it's better used there if you feel like you have a good premise though and you have a a decent show idea and you have some time to focus on video then I'd say it's worth uploading to it's
0: it, and the other thing is YouTube's the only one that has uh, listener and viewer numbers public right yeah. and so it's if you're if you're starting it's a delicate balance of like starting and everyone's gonna see how many people listen to it unless it's you're gonna like, suck yeah and so you're gonna want to keep improving it and you're rewarded for improving it but it's a ton of fucking effort to improve it and the amount of iterations and stuff I think today if you were to say let's take out the core uh product itself like the stuff that, For the most part, my research, outreach, whatever, all that stuff. And then the scheduling, we get someone there and we get a product set up and recorded. Everything in post, what percentage of time do you think goes to YouTube versus Spotify and Apple? Spotify and Apple in a bucket together.
1: It's got to be 80 plus uh, that's
0: what i would guess is yeah. 80% maybe we don't
1: actually do much to the actual episode like the conversation that yeah. gets had between you and the guest is for the most part what gets published with yeah. the exception of the pr stuff and whatever
0: but i would say and i would say everything that goes into apple and spotify benefits YouTube. And so like that's a base of what an episode is. And then all the bells and whistles (laughs) is incremental on top of that and different for for YouTube, which has been a very interesting learning. Uh, And I guess it's just something that you need to keep working at and getting better. Uh, And on an Apple podcast, making one episode or thumbnail or title better than the prior one, you'll never know if it actually worked on YouTube like the click-through rate percentage that you can see on the episode is just like, it's very incremental from one episode to the next. And so you learn so much more and you can keep improving and optimizing. And
1: it's fun to sort of obsess. I mean, sometimes it drives you crazy, but like, at least you have some visibility like Spotify. It's like, oh, this episode got X thousand downloads. Like, okay, great. I don't really know what was driving that or what wasn't. On YouTube, you're like, oh, this many people are coming in from a LinkedIn promotional post that we, you can literally see like the inbound traffic. You can see what the click-through rate is. You can see how many people YouTube is showing to. And all of those things are very motivating if if you're the sort of operator behind the scenes, like trying to make this thing uh, big. Yeah, it, like gives you something to go off of, to be like, okay, next week, I hope we do uh, better in these different things. And I think that ties to a point of just like, if you are thinking about doing a podcast or doing a podcast and you're, It it can be so frustrating at times because you fucked up the intro and it published and you're like, God, that was a really good episode, but it's so important to just like, put that behind you, keep going forward and, um, really just focus on like getting all of the things that you need for a good episode. Right. And it's so many things, but like, and none of, none of them individually will make or break an episode, but. You just got to keep doing them all right. I found
0: that like learning, like looking back, but not agonizing over it and looking in the distance, like looking one episode back and learning, but not agonizing and then keeping your eyes on downfield on how many you need to do is the most important psychological thing and so yeah. like every episode we do a post-mortem on, like what we did right what we didn't do right all that we learn from it but then it's kind of snap and uh move on with the exception of the keith boy miami oh, incident dude. when they fucked up the audio
1: and i still want to mer- if i if i see those guys in the street <laughs> i <laughs> i don't think i've ever been so emotionally distraught from something that happened at work yeah as i was with do you want to tell the story of well i mean the production we hired a production company in Miami like we have our New York guys we have our SF people because that's most you know 90 percent of the episodes we shoot but Miami Tech week we always do an episode with Keith boy so we had this like local production crew in Miami I and almost they, want to like link that no yeah. <laughs> dox them, but like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah
0: and they just like they were an audio crew and they just messed up the audio they just
1: fucked up the audio and then we're just like very unapologetic about it after the fact and they were like, Yeah, no, we we mentioned it to Logan like midway through the interview. Like we asked him to 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 re record. It's like motherfucker, we're not gonna re-record forty five minutes like Keith Reboy has ninety minutes yeah to record with us like this is very important time and like you you have one job it's just like the, yeah just uh, monitor the fucking camera <laughs> just like tell
0: us that it's good to go right uh, gosh so with the exception of that that still uh, still pisses me off uh, I think everything else is kind of like snap and move on after you do the postmortem but keeping your eyes downfield on uh, like get incrementally better each episode but keeping your eyes I committed to I said four episodes and 12 episodes and I think it was six months then 12 months then like another the year theory. Yeah, yeah, and so January thirty uh, first or whatever of this year, we'll sign up mentally. There's no like obligation. We don't have any advertisers or anything, but there's we're going to sign up for another season, presumably, and that will be another year. And we'll see if we want to keep doing it. But psychologically, just the commitment to keep going uh, is, is helpful and not to agonize too much about the past. The other interesting thing from an interview converse, uh, like standpoint, and I think um, I can probably speak to that best, uh, although we obviously tried other formats is your inclination is to t- tell a story kind of linearly in a way of like, okay, give me your background and where you went from there. And right. I, I found that jumping around uh and we don't really reorder the episode in terms of how it happens but sometimes we've pulled forward uh a a segment of the conversation right uh just uh we feel like it's a peeling
1: and we'll reorder your first 20 minutes matters more than your last 20 minutes because more people are listening so we want to put and 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 like if they're if they've stuck with you for an hour
0: right they'll stick with you most likely for another 15 minutes versus the chances that they don't make it past the 10th minute uh if the content isn't interesting is is decently high but Asking questions in a way up front that makes people feel comfortable, uh, but then also be willing to dive into the meat of like what you want to get to is an interesting, just like tactical thing. And so one of the things that I do when I get together, most of these people at this point, I've never met before. And uh, we maybe we've interacted on email a little bit and maybe had good banter or maybe got passed off to a PR team pretty quickly. Uh, but... Getting like 10 minutes, ideally with them, just riffing initially, making them feel a little comfortable. And even when we start recording the first like five minutes or something, talking to them in a way that allows them to warm up a little bit rather than if you if you went to the gut of the conversation that you wanted to really ask about initially, their guards definitely up a little bit more. And so I found the longer I spend with people. In advance, the more I kind of am able to warm them up, if they get there 15 minutes early, generally, I know that we'll have a great discussion. I've tried to do some prep calls before uh, with people to like get them on and say, these people are so busy, and it feels it's probably worthwhile. Maybe that'll be something in a year
1: that I'll look back on. As we have grown, we've earned the license to ask for more from our guests. We used to do one hour. Now we do two hours. And that can be one thing that we ask for in the future. But
0: That's yeah. decently onerous, actually, of people. Is you're, We're asking at least two hours from all of these people and with the most part we get that and these are very busy uh, yeah, yeah. important people in the, the hourly world. rate on yeah uh, yeah yeah the per hour rate Daniel yeah yeah <laughs> not worth fucking up their audio yeah so uh so i think th- that's been something that we've been able to do with time and i think when you look at lex friedman or joe rogan or some of those like they've gotten longer uh because they've earned the right to be longer with the guest. the guest is going to come in and sit there yeah. and really go through all the different stuff in their career and i feel like we've gotten more More to a point that not only is our guest quality gotten better, but their willingness to dedicate the time to doing it has gotten a lot better, too. So,
1: Do you want to talk about uh, People Are Mean and uh, how you've maybe balanced, like, taking the feedback we get in the comments on YouTube, some of it we've actually, like because because it can be mean and true. Oh, totally. I think uh, actually I, it, it I actually usually, think yeah. <laughs>
0: every every episode has a fair thing to cr- criticize mm-hmm. and uh and uh stylistically there's a lot of things that you can criticize me for that I
1: uh I, yeah. I want to be better at uh, the question asking thing is like the most recent one where I think totally uh, I'm like in my effort to make people feel comfortable, at times I
0: can be a little circular in my question asking and I've gotten better at it. But someone called it out one time. I don't know if we want to tell people this because now they will be listening to like yeah. uh, hear me ask uh, ask you know random questions and stuff. But uh, but someone was calling. They're like, just get to the fucking question already. And I'm like, ah, good feedback. Yeah, I was like
1: uh, you hurt my feelings, but uh, yeah, I was it's like. True. <laughs> I was like
0: <laughs> they're like they're like a, this guy spends more time building up to a question than asking yeah. it or something. And I'm like, oh, I actually put him up to that. Yeah, exactly. Paid him, <laughs> paid him to do it. But it is a funny balance of like that feedback is definitely true. My. Energy is to get people uh, more comfortable. And so I don't go to the crux of the question initially uh, sometimes, which uh, can definitely be.
1: And it's easy to look at that comment and be like, have the attitude of like, well, you fucking interview, you know, whoever or like. You know, you don't understand. It's really, it's tough. Like your your high stakes conversation, and then you're yelling at an anon
0: Twitter yeah. or like YouTube reply person. Yeah. yeah,
1: but it's important to take that stuff in. And we no, like, I actually I think love- you're actually very accessible. This is something people, if you're if you've made it this far, should know. Is like you are very accessible on Twitter. I think you respond YouTube. to a lot on email. Like. YouTube comments. Yeah, I think every nice
0: comment I've ever gotten, I've tried to respond to in some way uh, in whatever format that that is. Uh, And that's gotten harder as it's gotten whatever bigger. But but I think that's really important in the feedback people give or when people reach out and say stuff. I internalize it for good and for bad, right? And yeah, so yeah. when when people are, I don't read all the TikTok comments. I guess to be fair, that's no, an example no, of uh, that's a black vortex of of yeah. Gen Z people uh, very upset with uh, with mostly not me, mostly the guest. But going down the rabbit hole of TikTok comments is like a really funny thing. The
1: most common thread I would say on the the people getting the like, the rage on TikTok is usually a more tenured CEO talking about like, hey, I expect my employees to like work hard and people in the comments are just like well it's not fucking fair <laughs> yeah it's like oh
0: typical <laughs> patriarchal society mindset capitalism it's like trying to you know whatever people just like flip out anything it's when remote someone remote work is remote is, work is that's my favorite there. when a ceo I, I people have stopped sort of taking uh, bait on on that cuz i think it sort of uh, settled out a little bit when it was up in the air a little bit of how things were going to evolve if you asked someone uh, and they were like yeah you know i think we want," our people coming in person just tiktok gen the gen z tiktok people will get so fucking mad about like typical boomer mindset you know wanting us to show up to work and be employed uh you know it's like (laughs) (laughs) i uh that is a a funny example but to your point on the comments yeah i i i mean that is an interesting thing if you're going to do this and especially if you're going to do what our original product was which is commentary and opinions and all that stuff like just be Prepared for people to be upset and disagree. Where if you have one opinion, the the, the internet will find the people with the other uh, opinions uh, to to argue with you about it, and uh, and so that's something you you do need to have, even as benign and innocuous as like oh, interviewing tech executives or investors about their career and their operate. Like that's a pretty uh, benign concept but still people find stuff to be uh outraged about or criticize you for now the good side of it is i think for the most part our listeners uh at least the ones that i've I've interacted with are all very respectful and thoughtful and and considerate yeah yeah. people that
1: gravitate towards this type of content tend to be people that agree with that sentiment in general
0: yes i have a friend that does a sports podcast and uh and it's it's really uh big and uh it's under the barstool umbrella and like the stuff he gets said back he'll be like oh you know whatever the giants sucked yesterday and his comments are like from Giants fans being like you know what you suck and you're whatever it's yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. your parents don't <laughs> love you and like it's probably because you were adopted as a child or something <laughs> and it's like where did all he said was the football team was bad uh, and so thankfully it's not quite uh, that level but you'll still get it no matter what content you put out there you'll get people criticizing which I think is a feature not a bug of this if people are willing to invest the time with you inevitably like to have 100,000 people Good listen. To have, have 100,000 people listen, if you have a 90% approval rating, that means 10,000 people are going to dislike you in some way, which is that's just a feature of all of large numbers and 10,000 people saying mean stuff to you can be pretty mean. Uh, and if you ever want to be Like, entertained with that, go to any big podcast uh, or whatever uh, reality show, I'm sure, is Reddit sub-forum or something, or go to the YouTube comments or go to their TikTok page and just read the comments from people that presumably even like the show enough to subscribe to the Reddit uh, forum or something. Yeah. And they are just, like... Brutal to the to the people at all times. Right. And so it's just it's something you got to know going in, especially if you're going to have some level of success. I also think that's an important other thing is what is success for you uh, is an interesting thing to ask yourself going into it, um, because it can be insatiable of uh, just pursuing the next rung in the ladder of. Well, you just want the numbers to go up, right? And to keep bigger, keep growing and be better than before. And at some point, you need to acknowledge what success actually looks like and what you want it to be and who you want to emulate. And also when to quit if it's not working, right? And Or
1: if you hate your life.
0: Yeah. Well, like which, I, which could be not working. I, yeah, yeah. Like if it's not working, it could be you're miserable with it, right? right. And finding something that actually resonates with you. Because it is a grind it, uh, we said it earlier but it's a hundred percent like the amount of work uh, i think next week we have right now i think it's four separate episodes two hours each normally obviously n- number wise i don't have all those stacked in together but just the way the scheduling kind of worked out yeah and I'm very underprepared for it (laughs) and I need to sit down and do a ton of research and I'm going to do it over the weekend and spend my whole weekend just kind of listening to other podcasts or reading news articles or just sort of thinking or reaching out to people to ask questions that I should ask. And um, you need to uniquely enjoy it and also recognize that the journey, no single episode will ever feel
1: fulfilling
0: and yeah. the it's like oh yeah if i just get xyz guest it's like no the the second that episode's published and you get the gratification of it being out there it's, it's on awesome. to the next one and so i think acknowledging that if you don't enjoy the journey there's no milestone at the end that you're uh gonna get to that's gonna feel like oh yeah once you hit whatever ten thousand subscribers it's like so much better it's you know it's not it's like it's just the same. It's, the numbers are a little bigger and there's more people saying nice stuff and more people saying mean stuff and like that's maybe you get better guests on. But the the process is no different than, than what
1: it was before. Well, hopefully this has been uh, some combination of entertaining, educational to yeah. our guests. Uh, probably a good opportunity to just thank people that have tuned in and listened to the show. It's, it's grown pretty significantly, um, especially as we've sort of figured out based on feedback what what's worked and what we've enjoyed so yeah
0: yeah no it's been uh it's been a really fun i mean any of the the uh one any of the lessons i guess that we have here or post-mortem and retrospective uh with a caveat that i still think we don't know (laughs) we know some things at least the mistakes we've made but we still don't know we don't have it figured out like we're not we're certainly not the the you know the top charting podcasts in the world or whatever these are just sort of our uh, own anecdotes, which is um i guess a could plug to please share with your friends so we are the top performing yeah, podcast yeah. in the world but uh but i think um yeah this is uh it's been it's been gratifying doing this and the people we've met along the way both on the listener side as well as the uh guest side um it's just been it's been a fun experience and i think i'm much better uh, as an investor, interestingly, I got asked the question now of like why I keep doing it by by a guest that we're gonna have on uh, at some point in the next couple of weeks. He was like, why why are you why do you do this? And I was like, I kind of I just enjoy it and I think it makes me a better uh, board member to the companies I work with, both because of the network I've been able to build around it and also the insights. It's one thing to like, go learn for the sake of learning. It's another thing to learn to study for an interview with someone. Right, because right? you're about
1: to put on a show in front of you're, thousands of guests. Like, you're you're not going to want to look stupid. So you are going to do the, you know, read every book that...
0: You're going to take notes in a way, way that, that goes above and beyond what yeah. you would do otherwise. And so uh, I uh, I am really appreciative of of everyone kind of allowing this to exist because I am, I think, better at my job in a meaningful way as a, as a resource for founders, both because of the network I've been able to build as well as the uh, lessons I've learned along the way. So it's been super fun. So thank you everyone for, for the journey. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I promise there, there won't be any more navel gazing episodes here for a little while and uh, we'll, we'll get back to your regular scheduled programming uh, by, uh, by next week. But um, yeah, just thank you to everyone for, for coming along the way.